BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. We did everything we could to avoid the loss of life. They made the decision to immolate themselves, and I regret it terribly, and I feel awful about the children. 25 years ago, the Waco situation, I almost called it a disaster, but that's not the right word. Um, well, certainly a tragedy. Siege, it's a tragedy. A cult, we sent in tanks, lots of people died, a number of horrific crimes, including the Oklahoma City uh, bombing, carried out in the name of Waco over the years because along with the Ruby Ridge which uh, followed closely therein maybe some, we'll talk about that someday some people think it was severe government overreach and etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's revisit that for people who, who remember it kind of or were too young yeah it was a, a unbelievable unbelievable a couple of months I guess in the nation's history Lee Hancock was a, is a writer and was a former Dallas morning news reporter for uh, 23 years, covered the siege from day one, the trials, the congressional hearings, uh, the rest of it, and uh, joins us now. Hello, Lee. How are you? 
I'm fine. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. We're glad you're available. We understand you're working on a book on the topic. Yeah, I am. Excellent. I am. Be- because, you know, Waco has just continued to haunt um, the, American, uh, the American public and uh, the agencies involved. It's just an awful, awful event. But it hasn't gone away. It still resonates, I think, through our culture. And so, so I think I'm wanting to explore that. So just to, to set the stage a little bit, um, the uh, the Branch Davidians were an offshoot of a long-time religious well, group. How, slash, about, how about we start even more basic than that? It's called Waco because it happened in Waco, Texas, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that the town yeah. in Texas? It, it, that was the end of the sentence, right out, but yeah. It happened right outside Waco. It's interesting. The poor folks who live in Waco now will say, no, 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 it's not in Waco. It was in a little community called Elk, but it was outside of Waco, and uh, yeah, the Davidians, uh, were a group of people who had come actually from Southern California originally uh, to Texas. They were uh, a group kicked out of the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, back in the 30s, and you know they, they went through multiple leaders and multiple iterations, but they got to the point in uh, the, the 80s where they, they, they had a young man named Vernon Howell, uh, who later changed his name to David Koresh, who came and took their beliefs and their community into a far different direction than anything that the Seventh-day Adventists certainly believe in and, or that the Davidians had previously believed. You know, they were a group that believed that the end times were coming and that they needed to prepare and they might even be some of the last people to survive or, or to go to heaven in the end time. How big a group are but, we talking about? Um, you know, never more than a, a couple of hundred of people. You know, it went, it went in the recent years. They, back in the 50s, had as many as, you know, seven or 800 people that came out there. At one point, one of their leaders said that the end of the world was going to come on a specific day. And so seven or 800 people gathered out at their property near Waco, and that was uh, a day that later be- became known as their great disappointment. Yeah, that, that, whole gambit, that whole gambit never works, that picking a day, because once the day come and goes, you lose a lot of your clout. Yeah, you really have to have a plan B if you're going to play that card. Uh, so uh, at any rate, um, part of preparing for the end times was amassing a, a good deal of weaponry, correct? That became part of their prep prep under uh, Vernon Howe or Koresh. You know, previously, this had been a pacifist group, you know, conscientious objectors when they had to go into military service. But when Koresh came along, he began preaching that he was not only a prophet, but he was the Lamb of God. He was the Son of God come back, the sinful Messiah who was going to help lead this group as God's army. And God's army needed weapons, and God's army also needed an enemy. And to Koresh, the enemy, the beast, was the federal government. So how did their comings and goings come to the attention of the feds? Was it the weapons that originally uh, fired up law enforcement about them? Well, yes. What happened was the, uh, um, the group was getting tens of thousands of dollars worth of ammunition and uh, gun parts. And, and uh, there was a UPS driver who was taking stuff out there uh, regularly and thought it was a little weird that here's this group. They had armed guards. He had to go through a checkpoint. 
Uh, you know, they were pretty secretive. And one day, where did they? Where, where were they? Where the UPS driver was going to? What? I mean, what were they living he in? He was going or, to. There was a there was a seventy five seventy seven acre place that they had. Wow! And they were building what became known as the compound. They called it Mount Carmel, but it was this huge building where they all lived. And um, that became the building everybody saw on television during the siege. It was the place that burned up. But they would take the stuff out there. And one day he took a box, and out the box split open, and a bunch of grenades fell out. These were grenade holes. And he went, you know, everything's beginning to add up, and I don't like the results. So he went to the sheriff's department. They had also gotten the reports of automatic gunfire and explosions out there, so they said, "Geez, this is this is out of our, you know, out of our league." So they called in the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which oversees uh, uh, enforcement of our federal gun laws and explosive laws. You know, it's it's fine to have grenade holes and it's fine to have certain kind of guns. But when you make those grenade holes into explosives and when you take your guns and you make them into automatic weapons, you begin to get into serious violations of federal law. And that's what the ATF was looking at. Who was headed up by Janet Reno, the attorney general at the time, because she becomes a figure in this. Well, actually, no. This, you know, and, and you have to remember, this is between the, the, the Bush administration for you know, George Bush Sr. and the Clinton administration, the investigation actually started under Bush. Hmm. Clinton comes into office. You know, the investigation is going into January, February. They have the raid. And there's not an attorney general, a new attorney general for this administration until March 12th. That was... Janet Reno doesn't get sworn in until March 12th when this thing is already underway and it's a mess. And it's oh, wow. dropped into her lap. So was yeah. that back when Clinton couldn't get someone appointed because they kept turning out to have illegals as nannies? Yeah, yeah, we were talking you know, about that the other day with Kimball Wood, who's now in the headlines. Yeah, in the in the small world of 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 you know sort of American weird stories, Kimball Wood is now the judge that's overseeing you know the yeah. the the whole thing with Trump's lawyer and whether they're going to turn loose, what they're going to do with all the stuff right. seized from his office. But yeah, they couldn't get an AG. Somebody from Florida from. The, the Bar Association in Florida actually recommended Reno. She was prosecutor in Miami. Yeah, let's not get too far down that track. But yeah. anyway, she ends up yeah. the AG. We're talking to Lee it Hancock, former Dallas Morning News reporter working on a book about Waco. So uh, the feds are now aware that there's some really pretty uh, heinous uh, weaponry out there and, and, and illegal use of it and that sort of thing. What happened next? Well, uh, you know, to, to step back before the raid, they decided that they needed to get in there quickly you know, they were being told by some former members that, you know, hey, these guys, these guys are being trained that, you know, their religious belief is that they're going to go to war. So ATF thought, let's get in there quickly. Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the Davidians were tipped off an hour before the raid that, that the feds were coming, and they prepared an ambush. So when the ATF rolled out, they came up. They thought they could disguise themselves in cattle trailers. Well, and I'm sorry, just real quickly, there was also an allegation of child sex abuse going on right now, or or right then, too, wasn't there? And there was child sex abuse. Okay, there was. So that was another we've got to get in there argument. Yeah. Right, right. And that's not a federal violation, but that also raised concerns. You know, there were a lot of kids in there, and... 
there were, you know, kids as young as 12 that Koresh had started having sex with. Oh. He claimed all women were his wives. Right. He split up marriages, and he took people's wives, and the followers were so devoted that they followed this. Wow. Wow. As Jack has pointed out, it's the one universal with cults. The leader gets to sex up the young women. It's just, you'd think people would catch on to that, but at any rate. So the feds tried to sneak in in cattle trucks? Is that what you said? They came in in cattle trucks. This is a really rural area. And so on a Sunday morning, they figured, you know, they're going to see cattle trucks and they're not going to think anything of it. But again, the, the Davidians had about 45 minutes to prepare and uh, when the cattle trucks rolled up and the agents started running out, uh, you know, all hell broke loose. The Davidians say that the ATF shot first and the ATF says otherwise. There were actually three reporters who'd gotten tips, three journalists who'd gotten tips who were out there at the time who testified later that it was the, the Davidians who started the gun battle. But then this became this two-hour gun battle. It was the longest gun battle in American law enforcement history, and it left four ATF agents dead, 16 ATF agents wounded, and wow. then six Davidians ended up dead that day. So Two-hour gun a, battle. A mess. Yeah, a mess became, you know, unimaginable, um, an unimaginable crisis, and in stepped the FBI. And then... A weeks-long standoff, which we'll talk about with Lee Hancock, formerly of the Dallas Morning News, when we come back in a moment. Lee, can you hang around for a couple more minutes? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Okay, yeah, please, please do. Um, and this is from 25 years ago uh, when we, we had cable news, but nothing like the media coverage today. Can you imagine this going on today with today's uh, Twitter feeds and everything else? Yeah, yeah. So... The most horrendous gun battle in American law enforcement history, followed by a weeks-long standoff and how that turned into the tragedy, controversy, etc. Um, with Lee Hancock. I can ask her where, where they were getting their money to buy all the weapons and have 70-some acres. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. They had bigger firearms than we had. They were able to shoot through doors. Due to that, you know, a lot of our agents were hurt. 25-year anniversary of the whole Waco Branch Davidian thing. Um, What's the argument from your... um, Is right-wingers fair? I don't know what the fair term is, but... The argument from the crowd that thinks the government really overreached. Uh, well, we can talk to Lee Hancock about that, writer, former Dallas Morning News reporter who's been kind enough to hang around. You know, the the short version is that the government had chances to do it peacefully, blew it, and then uh, engaged in, you know, would-be overwhelming shows of force that ended up with a lot of people dying. Sounds very similar to... A policeman versus an unarmed suspect or armed suspect. Right, right. Yeah, that's the way some people see it. Lee Hancock uh, joins us once again. Lee, thanks for hanging around. Oh, thanks. So what of the narrative we've heard? We're talking about the uh, the raid on the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, 25 years ago and the controversy, et cetera. What of the narrative I've heard many times through the years that David Koresh used to just jog through town and they could have nabbed him peacefully any time? You know, that's exaggerated. And, you know, there is... Um 
you know, there, there's obvious concern and understandable concern about what happened out there and, and why. But, you know, Koresh was not easy to, to lay hands on. He did go out into the community in the months before this happened, but not that much. And he was pretty cautious and cagey. And one of the things that really resonates for me that federal authorities have said is that regardless, he knew that these were federal agents. He knew and was on notice for almost an hour they had uh, before they showed up. And he could have surrendered. He could have let them in. He could have complied with federal law, and he didn't. So, so you know, Well, if he was sexing up kids and had illegal guns, you probably aren't going to do that. So listen, well, we, exa- have, exactly. we have about four and a half minutes just in terms of sure. the pace of how quickly we describe these things. But So the raid happened. Many people were killed by gunfire. And then an incredibly long standoff ensued. How long did it go on? It was 51 days. It was At the time, it was the longest 51. In, 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 in American history. Yeah. Yeah. And and during that time was it mostly quiet? Was there more exchange of violence? You know, there wasn't any violence, but and there were lots of negotiations and there you know, thirty seven people came out actually. You know, at, at first it looked like they were gonna try to be able to get this thing ended peacefully, but then it just went on and on and on. Well the part I think we all remember if we remember it at all, is a tank going through the wall. What led up to that and what happened that day? Well, they were using these combat engineering vehicles because they were concerned that the Davidians were going to shoot back. And actually, on the morning of the 19th, when they started driving the tanks into the building, it was to poke holes in the building and spray in this liquid tear gas. So they they hoped that using the gas would drive these guys out and you know that they would be uncomfortable and that moms would want to get their kids out. And sure enough, the, the instant that they started ramming the building the Davidians started shooting at them. So um, they they sped up their, their gassing, and as they were gassing, what they didn't realize was that the Davidians were spreading fuel and talking about setting the place on fire, and ultimately just a little after noon, 25 years ago today, that's what they did. And there are plenty of people who claim the Fed set the fire either carelessly with the gas or intentionally um, but your belief is that it was indeed the Branch Davidians who set the fire. I think there is incontrovertible evidence that the Davidians set the fire. With yeah, the idea that they were it. basically killing themselves? I mean, it was like a suicide act? Um, not, to them, their belief was that God was going to take them up. Uh, they weren't going to suffer, but they were going to have this fiery end. And they even, in the days before this thing went up, they even talked a lot about fiery prophecies and running through the flames. And the FBI actually captured a lot of those conversations with bugs, but they were so garbled that they didn't understand what they were saying until the tapes were later enhanced. So afterwards, they listened to this in horror that, you know, the Davidians were actually talking about this they even captured the conversations about spreading fuel and waiting to light them up until david said to do it and Mm. then to light the fire and davidians came out one davidian actually came out and said and still says today absolutely i heard the voices saying light the fire how many people died uh more than 70 uh there are some counts as to high as high as 90 uh but including kids including kids uh koresh and a bunch of others, like about 20 other people, died with gunshots, and five of those people were kids. One kid was stabbed to death, 
and uh, you know, you you can't. It's an unimaginably horrible end. But that, but yeah, they they apparently some of them may have shot themselves. Later, um, some of the conspiracy theories were that oh, somehow the government must have come in and shot them. But again, you know that there have been there's been a cottage industry of folks who want to cast doubt on the government, and uh, they put these things out. Unfortunately, there was even a mini series recently uh, that was aired on Waco that suggests a lot of these things that are, aren't true, but mm. yeah, they I have saw a part lot of, of traction. They yeah. have a lot of traction. Well, and I wish we had time, and, and perhaps we will someday down the road. We know you're working on a book uh, on the Waco situation, but to get into the, the self-criticism by the federal government and the ATF, the things that could have been done differently, the trials of the various people, uh, sure. you know, Branch Davidians, because there's a hell of a lot there. The aftermath lasted sure. a long time. It did. It hey, did. Briefly. And, 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 and there have been changes. That's the one thing to, to, that's important. But the, the feds have changed a lot as a result of what happened here. Hey, where did they get their money? It's not easy to have 70 acres and a whole bunch of uh, illegal weapons. A lot of people turned uh, their their valuables over to him. They had a couple of people with a lot of money that gave it to him. And the Davidians who came out said they engaged in credit card abuse. And uh, there oh, so they're criminals in addition to everything else. Okay, right. Well, you know, if the if the end's going to come, you're not going to have to pay your visa bill. That's true. Well, that's, yeah. what I, that's what I've been counting on. I hope not. And and plus, you know, people worked and they turned over all the money to the the cult leader. As yep, uh, they did. That's the way cults go. Lee Hancock, writer, former Dallas Morning News reporter, covered the Waco siege from day one, the trials, the congressional hearings. Lee, really great to talk to you, and I hope we can do it again. I'd like to do that. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And wow. we'll and and let her know when her book comes out. We'd love to talk to her about it. I actually think it doesn't get as much attention as it probably should. Deadliest gut battle in U.S. history and fifty-one day siege, seventy-six dead. You know, federal overreach, conspiracy theories amok. Right. Um. And then you know, Tim McVeigh decided that to avenge Waco and the situation at Ruby Ridge. Google it. Um. He would blow up the federal building in Oklahoma City. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? We've got a news survey finding a sea change in California attitudes toward deporting illegals. Okay. And new developments surrounding the death of pop icon Prince. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. That poll is big. Looking forward to that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. didn't really expect this, but passion's still running hot on the text line over Waco 25 years later. Oh, I could have guaranteed it. We'll receive a slew of email. Have your have you idiots and your moron guest ever heard of Ruby Ridge? You guys need to change your name from Armstrong and Getty to Mad, Maddow and Matthews. Well, we mentioned it three times, so yeah, we have heard of it. Of course, this same texture back in November of 2017, as I have all these in front of me, once texted... You guys all wear skinny jeans and have man buns. <laughs> Whoa, hey, hey. Now that second one was insulting. Uh, boy. Let me just take a look at this real quick. Jack and Joe, that Waco woman is a wacko. Asks the ATF about shooting men, women, and children as they tried to exit the burning building. And those are a lot of the stories that still exist out there. Well, the fact that they knew their cover was blown, the ATF, and went in any way, virtually assuring a bloodbath, was a decision of monumental stupidity. Now, this is a terrible thing to do, just from a military standpoint. Uh, news now. 
Oh, by the way, we got this. I'm 52 and followed this 25 years ago. I learned more in the last 10 minutes than I knew. All right, that was the point. All right. Hoped it worked out that From way. a couple of skinny jeans wearing man bun sporting, uh, you know, questionable sexual uh, type hosts. Matthews huh? and Maddow in the morning. Exactly. Here's your news with Marsha Phillips. Donald Trump taking notice of the growing in-state rebellion against California's sanctuary state law, tweeting just minutes ago, Thank you, San Diego County, for defending the rule of law and supporting our lawsuit against California's illegal and unconstitutional sanctuary policies. Hmm. California's dangerous policies release violent criminals back into our communities, putting all Americans at risk. Now, Armstrong and Getty talking with San Diego County Supervisor Kirsten Gaspar a little while ago led the county's move uh, against the uh, or to uh, join the uh, suit against the sanctuary laws. You can check out the podcast and catch that interview. Meanwhile, we do have... You know, for what it's worth, somebody pointed out that she didn't really lead the effort. She had to be dragged along. I don't know the politics of that. Right. Um, Not sure it matters. Not sure it matters. She's on board now. Let's all join together, won't we, and march toward freedom. There you go. Or something. Meanwhile, we got a new survey being released today that shows that California may be a sanctuary for illegals, but the support for deportations is growing. A new survey out of UC Berkeley says about 60% of people who live in the state believe it is very or somewhat important for the federal government to increase the number of deportations of illegals in the state of California. Holy crap. Would you get that impression from the lamestream media? No. God, what? You're so... So misled by the mainstream media on so many topics because they all believe one thing. 60% want an increase. Not even the status quo. Not even steady as she goes. They want more. And this is of people in California in a Berkeley study. Yeah. Wow. This is not the people of, you know, pick whatever state you see is racist. Oklahoma. Or super conservative. In a Fox study. Right. Boy, that is striking. It is. God, you just, you can't trust... That any perception you get especially, from the mainstream media, especially on immigration, is faulty. I, as we've been saying for years, you look at any poll numbers on this, overwhelmingly, it's not even close. We all agree you can't let illegals in. You got You got to secure your borders. Right, right. And you know this is related, but race relations too. You get the idea that from the media that every white person wants black people to be shot by, by cops, and every black person's an angry militant. You know, it's just, it's all conflict all the time. So say that number again and what they specifically believe. The uh, new survey out of UC Berkeley says about 60% of people who live in the state believe it is very or somewhat important for the federal government to increase the number of deportations of illegal immigrants in the state. Even with Trump as president, 60% of Californians, that's incredible. And if you watch the cable news, you'd think it's, well, well, we just went through that. God dang it. Coming down this morning, possible charges in the death of Prince could be filed today. The Carver uh, County, Minnesota attorney Mark Metz is going to be announcing his decision soon on whether to charge anyone in the musician's death. I know Positive Sean has been watching uh, any developments. Have you seen anything come up yet? No, so far just a bunch of legalese kind of laying up to the event, but I haven't heard him say if they will file charges or not. Well, it seems to be kind of leaning towards that way. The, he's already stated that 
the evidence shows that Prince thought he was taking something other than what he was fentanyl, taking. Yeah. Oh, because it was fentanyl and all. Yeah. As opposed do, to the Vicodin that he thought it was. Do we know about uh, the beloved Tom Petty? Because, uh, you know, he died of a it was opiate a fentanyl. overdose. Yeah, it was, was a fentanyl, fentanyl yeah. thing I think, as well? I think, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got a, a, a rich guy with a lot of physical problems right. and there are people helping him get pills, you know, that's one thing. But if somebody's... Feeding him fentanyl without his knowledge, which is incredibly dangerous. Well, yeah, they need to be in jail. Unless you're a crazy person, what would the upside be of that? Don't you want to have, don't you want to work for a rich guy who's a drug addict and you get him drugs as long as possible? You don't want him to die. Well, right. No. And the problem is a lot of pushers, though, and drug and illegal drug manufacturers, they use fentanyl to make pills and then try to pass them right. off as oxycontin because right. it'll have a similar effect mm. but the stuff's so powerful and dangerous if you get the formula wrong you kill your customer exactly. and it happens all the time yep all right on an entirely different matter heads up coachella we got the latest festival fashion for you flower boobs they're saying move over glitter boobs this festival season <laughs> move is- over glitter boobs finally <laughs> Glitter now, boobs are played, whatever they are. That's a funny sentence. This, I've never said it. <laughs> <laughs> this festival season, Instagram models are pasting flowers on their breasts. Accessory designer Hannah Webb unwittingly started the trend by selling petals that stick to faces, which she sells online, but her customers then started to press them onto their chests. Close your head. nipples, harlots! And now, so I'm guessing the nipple area is the center of the flower? Yes. And, okay, trying and to picture that. Now, apparently, they are popping up everywhere, including, we are told, the Coachella Music Festival. Fantastic. Having mm. flowers on your boobs, she says, <laughs> is certainly a talking I'm guessing point. there's pictures of this on the internet. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, and in various newspapers as well. But if you stare, you're a pig. Just keep that in mind, what? young male concert goers and lesbians. Web ladies, go- no offense intended. Webb going on to say, we would love to see flower and boobs. And hungry infants. My mistake. I left them out of the discussion. We would love to see flower boobs become a staple part of festival fashion. Me too. Who's against it? That's the your- glitter boob. Big glitter boob. <laughs> <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Of course, Squawky can tell you that glitter is bad for the environment. Oh, yes, it is. Clogs up eagles' arteries and uh, interferes with their eggs uh, or something. Hey, Jerry Brown, did you hear the Berkeley poll on how many Californians want to deport more people? It uh, d- d- doesn't actually uh, matter. We just uh, want to register as many uh, Hispanic people as possible. That's incredible. The petering out coming up. We're all going to apply pedals to our boobs. We'll be back in a moment on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The bottom line is that we simply do not have sufficient evidence to charge anyone with a crime related to Prince's death. So that's over then. Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay. He took too many of bad drugs and it killed him. Nobody committed a crime, yep. I guess. Dang, um, dang shame. We've been uh, re-going over the whole Waco, David Koresh, Janet Reno thing from 25 years ago today. 
We'll do Alien Gonzalez next week, I guess. Oh, as we do more, that. As we do more classic talk radio. Oh, my God. But we have been getting a lot of texts on this, um, like this one. Waco video of the tank nozzle into the building was altered to make it look like the flames erupted from the poking. The original was shown first, but later only edited one made the news, in quote. So the news was in on the cover-up or mm. something? Or something. Yeah, I don't know. So during the 51-day siege, two factions developed within the FBI. One one to negotiate. The other thought force is the only way this ends. And they used... Uh, uh, Increasingly aggressive techniques to force them out, like sleep deprivation, by means of all-night broadcasts of recordings of jet planes, pop music, chanting, and the screams of rabbits being slaughtered. Err. is right. Where do you get that? Is that a <sighs> CD you can buy? Uh, <clears throat> don't make jokes. At any point, at any rate, um, you know, as one attorney said... Uh, what a bad idea. He was mad at the technique of using sleep and peace disturbance and sleep deprivation. The point was this. They were trying to have sleep disturbance. They were trying to take someone that they viewed as unstable to start with. They were trying to drive them crazy. And then they got mad because he does something they think is irrational. Yeah, I was, I was about to jump in. and Yeah, so you're hoping that when you approach the building, they don't act all crazy and paranoid, but you haven't let them sleep for several days. Right, right. So, you know, meanwhile... There are reports that conditions are deteriorating, children are being abused, et cetera, et cetera. And so the attorney general, the brand new attorney general, took the uh, FBI hostage rescue team's um, recommendation to storm the compound. Now, I understand where some of this stuff comes from, some of the concern about this. Sure. Um, A lot of people in uh, a lot of elites and certainly a lot of people in the media think almost any kind of organized religion is a cult and that it's abusive to young people, so would be all for any excuse for, you know, violating their civil rights, Um, be it Mormons or Catholics or whatever. So that you get your religious freedom types that are worried about that. Mm -hmm. You're just your freedom freedom types on leave me alone, I'm not bothering anybody. Well, and there's absolutely, I don't don't fall for the... uh... A lot of the conspiracy theories on this, having read extensively from all sorts of sources and following it at the time really closely. That woman was rewriting history, according to one of our texters. Okay, fine. But um, I will tell you this. The idea, and this is ripped straight out of today's headlines as well. When should, can, ought the government use deadly force? How long should they wait how much patience should there be? What should the policies be? You know, a, a free a citizen of a free country shouldn't be killed by his or her government unless there's a hell of a good reason. So, you know, scrutiny and skepticism and the rest of it, I think, is really healthy. And was there, did we have belief that these people weren't allowed to leave? Because people get to be in weirdo cults. Well, that was part of the problem. Well, the kids, dozens of kids getting raped all the time. They don't have a choice. So there was that. Um, there's a question as to during the negotiations uh, before the siege as to whether there were hostages or everybody was there of their free will right. and videos were made and negotiations were held and the rest of it. But And uh, the, the sex <clears throat> stuff, I suppose you got to investigate that, but it could always be disgruntled former members making crap up. Yeah. I don't think that's what probably was happening, but yeah, it's always a concern. Yeah, well, that's that's a tough one. 
Um, although they did have undercover guys who were pretty damn certain the guy was sexing up uh, kids well, as young as 12. I'm, I would so. imagine he was. All your cult leaders, that's their thing. Yeah. It's amazing how many cult leaders are driven primarily about how they're going to get to have more sex with more women. And then they come up with a scam all the way around that. That drives a lot of human behavior. Actually. Yep. Yeah, it does. Yep. Anyway. No, we're not gonna we're not gonna satisfy everybody, particularly those who have a particularly dark view of what happened. So listen, folks, sorry to disappoint you, but you know. Imagine that story though today with part his friends. With today's coverage and a whole bunch of them probably have cell phones and they're tweeting stuff out. Completely and, different. Oh, it'd be wild. Yeah. Yeah. It how that would play out, you're right, because there would you know, there are questions of whether to release videos or if they're authentic or authentic or, or what have you during the negotiations. I mean, now people would be uh, tweeting and Instagramming. You'd have constantly. a thousand videos of the of the of the siege of the going in of everything from every angle possible. David Koresh would be on cable news all the time on his phone. He's his Facebook page or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Boy, if you have a truly apocalyptic cult with a bunch of kids inside, though. I mean, and that's the thing, the the warm blanket of certainty that everybody likes to pull up to their chin. You've got an actual apocalyptic cult uh, raping and abusing kids, and they're heavily armed. How does that end well in your world? The raping and abusing kids is obviously an outlier issue that you can't get past. But a lot of your mainstream media would call Christianity an apocalyptic cult. They just do. Well, they're idiots, and they need (laughs) to stop. Final thoughts with A-N-G. Yes, love that, man. It's relaxing. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Mm, are you ready to soft rock? Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought? All right, I want to give you a heads up. Shot my first Music with Marshall video yesterday with Positive Sean, and I have heard some people were disturbed with, why, with what I said. Let me assure you, it was all said in fun. Didn't mean to upset anybody. You can <laughs> check it out on Armstrong and Getty Radio or at armstrongandgetty.com, or you can Google it, Music with Marshall. Use your favorite search engine. See what you think of our twist on music review. Wow, so it's a controversial video. Yes. Michelangelo, final thought. Uh, yeah, tomorrow we'll be looking at another historical event, the gas crisis of the 1970s. <laughs> Who caused it? If you could go back in time, would you have done things differently? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> awesome, Michael. Positive, Sean. Your final thought? Yes, there's some sort of a, a work-related event going on at a winery today. I understand you guys have lives you cannot attend, but worry not. I'm going on your behalf as your proxy. I'll be sure to have a drink of wine for each of you. I'm glad you're taking the bullet to go hang out with a bunch yes. of tipsy saleswomen. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> huh? Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Scandal, series finale tonight. I know you've got a long list of TV shows you've never watched, but if you're ever going to jump into it, watch us a half a season or so of Scandal. It's pretty entertaining. Well, and I probably should have brought this up behind closed doors to Jack because it's a personal, uh, well, it's a personal wish for him. Jack, mental health experts are warning that your royal wedding obsession could turn into a mental health problem. <laughs> The upcoming Prince Harry Meghan Markle union. When is that happening? I keep seeing tidbits. Any minute now. I keep seeing tidbits about him and her and thinking, what is going on here? Nobody knows. Their wedding is coming up? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to ArmstrongandGetty.com for Marshall's controversial video. Plus, our contact info is there. Let us know what you think. Alien Gonzalez, stay or go. God bless America. This is uh, 
historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Who she said had been exposed to, quote, too much of someone else's marijuana. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.